Whenever we uh, gather on Sunday, there's, there's three re's, three re's that I want to um, toss out as a, um, a way for us to frame our thinking about why we come together on Sundays. I want to give you the three re's. So if you want to write them down, you can. There are notes at the end of your sheets, uh, end of your seats, sorry, end of the sheets. The sheets are at the end of the seats, so go ahead and take those and uh, pass those down to your friends next to you. And I want to I give us the three re's this morning. The first one is we gather to remember. Remember. What do we need to remember? Well, we tend to be very forgetful people. And I think we need to remember who God is and who we are. So we sing songs, we listen to scripture, we pray, we interact with one another, we do fellowship at the bridge to remember who we are and who God is. So it's almost like we gather together to do a reality check. And a reality check would say, we need to right-size who God is and right-size who we are in light of who God is. Because many times what we do is we get that out of whack. So we need to remember. That's the first re. The second re is to realign ourselves. There are things inside of us that need to come back into alignment, like going to a good chiropractor. There's things that need to come back into alignment so there's a little bit more flow in how we live and some more practice in how we practice the way of Jesus in the world. So some realignment needs to happen. That happens inside of us. And I say the last three is that we are called to reorient ourselves around the practices and the teachings of Jesus. This is why we gather. So we remember to right-size who God is. We realign, realigning ourselves, trusting that the Holy Spirit is doing something in each of us as individuals, but also communally. What are things that need to come back into alignment, things that God continues to bring up inside of us that need to follow in accordance to his will and his purposes in the world? And then lastly, to uh, re, uh, reorient ourselves around the teachings and the practices of Jesus. So I oftentimes think of a gathering as a practice session, practicing the teachings of Jesus. We're practicing how to do relationship, and there's lots of grace being offered in the family of God since we're practicing. We're not going to get it right, but we're putting things into practice. So keep those things in mind. Now, as we move through this morning, I'm going to take us through a lot of scripture passages, so do your best to follow along. They're, not, they're just a reference on your sheet, but they're not printed out, so you'll have to listen unless you're really good at navigating your way through the scriptures really fast, like a good Bible roulette. So um, there's a prayer that I want to begin with, and it comes out of the book of Deuteronomy, which I'm sure everybody had spent the last week in Deuteronomy, correct? Everybody's favorite book. But in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, there's a prayer, and this is a central prayer to God's people, the Jewish people, and it's called the Shema. And this prayer is uttered in their prayer services, in their morning services, in their evening services. As they go to sleep at night, there's a, a prayer that's almost like central to their faith as a people. And it says in Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, Hear, O Israel, listen. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. This is the Shema. The Lord is one. One. Now, put that note in there. It's important for us as we are moving through a community. What does it look like to be God's people in the world? Keep in mind, God is one. Now, we'll tease that out in a moment. But God is one. The nature of God, the characteristic of God, who God is, God has this incredible sense of oneness. Then in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, the Apostle Paul begins to talk more about what God is, what God is like. And he says in Ephesians 1, verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. So God is not only one, but also God is forgiving. 
So as we think about what kinds of people do we want to be that reflect the goodness of God back to the world, God is not only one, but God is a forgiving God. So what does it mean to be serving a forgiving God, to receive forgiveness, but not only to that, but to practice forgiveness? This is what we get to practice as Jesus' followers. Then in Acts chapter 17, Paul is explaining to the people in Athens that there is only one God in a city where there were about 300,000 different gods being worshipped. So Paul comes in and begins to use their language, and he begins to talk about this one God. So there's this incredible sense of this God is one God who stands alone, and he says in Acts chapter 17, verse 24 through 25, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. I love that line. Since he gave himself and gives himself to all humanity, he gives them life and breath and just so that we're completely aware, everything. He gives everything. So Paul is making this argument that not only is God one, not only is God forgiving, but God is also generous. He's a generous God. So we're gonna explore generosity this morning and we're gonna tease that out and spin that out, that everything we have comes from God. And then later on in the narrative, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, John makes more claims about what God is like. Listen to what he says. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. So God is light. God is one, God is forgiving, God is generous, and God is light. We're going to tease that out. What does that mean? Well, if we think about God being light, we could also say that God is truth, because when light shines on darkness, what happens? Things are revealed. We see things more clearly. So we could say God is not only light, but God is truth, because when truth comes into a situation, more is revealed. This telling us about the very nature of what God is. Is like. Now, we as Jesus followers, we get to put all of these things into practice. So not only is God one, but God is light, love, kindness, goodness, generosity, and he gets to spin this out into the world. So let's move into the teachings of Jesus for a moment, deeper into the heart of Jesus. One of the questions that I often, often ask myself is around the issue of evangelism. We talk about evangelism, and for many of us, evangelism brings up a sense of anxiety inside of us. Like, this is what we have to talk about. We have to move out in the world and invite people to join in the movement of Jesus or to accept Jesus as their Savior, and so it brings up lots of anxiety. We get cornered at work. We're not sure how to, how to respond, the questions that come at us. But the question I often ask myself is, what exactly are we inviting people into? Not just saving people from something, but what are we inviting them into? If we think about Christianity, is not just a, it's not just a religion where we have to get everything right, but this is a living, breathing relationship with, with God. So what are we inviting people into? And then when we explore the teachings of Jesus, we see more and more that Jesus invites people to be a certain kind of people in the world. So what are we inviting people into when we talk about Jesus, when we talk about Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life? For many people that I've encountered over my years in ministry, many people have this perception that what Jesus came to do was to set up a religion and that he was inviting people into this new kind of religion that was better than other religions being offered in the day. But if you look at Jesus' teachings and you look at how Jesus communicates with the world, for example, in John chapter 14, verse 9, listen to the words of Jesus. He says, Jesus said to him, 
Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? You could put your own name in there, couldn't you? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus is stating, hey, you want to know what the Father is like? Watch me. Observe what I do. Watch how I treat and interact with people. And in particular, watch how I treat the foreigner. Watch how I treat the stranger. Watch how I treat those who are on the outside. Watch how I treat people who might be considered unclean or unpleasant to be around. Watch how I interact with all these people that might make the system uncomfortable. And watch how I move in right relationship with them, expressing to them that my message of goodness and grace and love and acceptance is also for them and not just you people that have it all together. It's for everybody. So Jesus moves towards these kinds of people that may make us uncomfortable. And what Jesus shows us is I'm going to actually show you what unconditional love looks like. It's for everybody, even your enemies. It's for everyone. My gift of grace and acceptance is being offered to the whole world because God is love. And when we say God is love, we're not stating it's just some kind of concept that floats around. But Jesus says, I'm going to show you what God's love looks like so much so that I'm going to move into the kinds of relationships and invite you to do the same. You get to be in relationship with all different kinds of people who don't think like you because God is giving, God is generous, God is love, God is light. I'm going to show you what generosity looks like. So much so that while Jesus is on the cross, what does he say? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So we see embodied in Jesus, we see what God is like to the point where he's forgiving those who have wronged him. This radical generosity, this radical grace. And when we see Jesus moving into relationship with people, what is he doing? He's restoring and putting things back into their right. So he's touching people that you're not supposed to touch based on rules and regulations and holy living. And he's moving towards the kinds of people that you're not supposed to be with, and he's calling them back to order. He's bringing that which is in chaos back into order, bringing right relationship with people. And we as Jesus followers, we get to remember, and not only remember, but we get to realign ourselves to the ways of Jesus, and then we get to reorient ourselves around the teachings of Jesus. And we get to put those things into practice. As we watch Jesus interacting with people, we look at that and go, I want to be that kind of person. That's the kind of people that we get to be in the world. Notice what he says in John 15. He makes this strange statement. He says, whoever hates me hates my father also. Now, does that get your attention? When Jesus uses these abrupt words, whoever hates me hates my father also. This is very strong language. What is Jesus saying here? Now, I've never met a person yet who would say that they hate Jesus. Like when we talk about Jesus, it's like, no, Jesus is amazing. But it's the teachings of Jesus sometimes that rub me the wrong way. Or I may not like the things that Jesus calls me to, or I may not like some of those hard edges, like more of the harder teachings of Jesus, where we say, I, I'm, I'm all down for the love and grace, but some of that other stuff, no thanks. But the teachings of Jesus, whoever hates me, hates my father. We have a hard time dissecting sometimes the teachings of Jesus, or we put those things off into the corner. But what I think Jesus could possibly be saying here is this, if you hate forgiveness, if you hate generosity, if you hate unconditional love that's for everybody, things are not going to go well with you. 
because that is the ultimate disclosure of how things really are in the world. It's how things work. We talk about, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is shifting and sinking sand. Like, like Daniel said, all that ground that we've been standing on shifts and moves. And when we stand on something firm and solid, it's like, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't get through this. And so when we hear these teachings of Jesus, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not sold on the idea of forgiveness or unconditional love or radical generosity the way that I see you calling people to move in that direction. I'm not sure I jive with that action. And yet if you think about Jesus, who's the full disclosure of who God is in the world as the ultimate disclosure of how things really are, he's like, He's like as real as it gets. When we want something real and we're craving something that we can hold onto that's not shifting and moving or just wind that we grab onto, it's something so real that we can always grab onto it and hold onto it. And it's that full disclosure of this is how God is. This is the ultimate reality. We might even take it so far as to say this is a reality at its most raw. If you strip it all back and you see what's, what's left, it's Jesus that's left and his practices and his teachings calling us to move deeper into. Jesus wants to show us what love really looks like. And he says, if you hate what I'm doing, and if you hate how I'm living and being in the world, things are not going to go well for you because I'm showing you what God is like. So you, th you tease that out a little bit. It's like, oh. And that can, be, that can be quite challenging when we start to think about the teachings of Jesus being lived out in flesh and blood. If the idea of forgiveness or radical generosity or loving people is, is a terrible idea, I would say you're going to be out of sync with how things really are. And that's the invitation as Christ followers. That's what we get to step into and what we get to do in the world. Now, let's bring this down deeper a little bit into the world in which we live and breathe and play and work. How many of you um, have a friend or a group of friends that you're involved with who you would say they're in the search right now. They're searching for God, right? We all have people, some of them are in our family, some of them are in close relationship with us. And I would say those who are in the search, I have a belief that if they keep digging and they keep searching and they keep really going after it, eventually they're gonna get to the bottom and they're gonna hit bedrock. And I think that bedrock is God. And I don't think you can get through that. I don't think you can dig around and go, this can't be what's real because there's nothing, there's no way to get, there's so much substance and weight. We talk about the glory of God, like you can't penetrate or get through them. So as a friend, what I do is I encourage the search to continue. I want them to go deeper. Like, have you thought about this? And have you thought about this? I hear your question, but have you thought about this? So as a minister, and in particular as a church planter, uh, we've had, I've just witnessed so many people coming to know Christ for the first time, but as a minister, I get to be in relationship with all kinds of people who are in the search. And I remember years ago being in relationship with this young man who was coming to our church in Los Angeles, and we would sit down and have countless conversations about God and about Jesus and about Christianity. And one day we were sitting at Whole Foods having breakfast burritos. Awesome, by the way. <laughs> breakfast burritos at Whole Foods. And we're sitting there and we're talking and he, and he leans up after a bite, and he looks at me and he says, I think I'm a Christian now. I'm like, that must be a really good burrito. <laughs> I, think, I think I'm a Christian, he says. And I'm like, really, what leads you to think that? And he started to unpack it for me. Two years of process, process, digging, digging, going down deep, questioning, doubting, pushing back, going, eh, I don't buy it. 
And he kept digging and kept digging and kept digging until he hit bedrock. And then one day over a burrito, I think I'm a Christian now. Is that, is that like your conversion story? Did you just, is that Terry's? I mean, Alan? You wake up one morning, you wake up one morning, Alan, and you think, my goodness, I'm a Christian. Woke up for the first time in your life and going, I, I'm a Jesus follower now. And I've, I think everybody's conversion stories are different in how they come to know Christ. And I've watched other people who are like, they did it in private. They did it at a meeting. They did it coming down to the front pew 17 times as a child. They, there's all these different ways that we come to know Jesus, and it's beautiful. But as a Christ follower, what I get to do is with people in my life who are in the search, my encouragement to them is don't stop digging, dig. Don't stop, keep going. Dig, 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 dig. Ask the hard questions, come all the way to the bottom and what you're eventually gonna hit when you're having that burrito, you're gonna hit God. And that's where the light that talks about moving us out of darkness and we wake up and we go, I'm a Jesus follower now. And that young man is still a Jesus follower today, living his life for the sake of the gospel of Jesus. What a joy to watch a person saying yes to Jesus. Now, another, another roadblock that I see quite a bit in the church when we talk about evangelism, when we talk about people searching, um, when we talk about people asking hard questions, is a lot of the pushback that I have received is I don't wanna be part of a religion or part of a community full of hypocrites. And how many of you in the room are hypocrites? Okay, first service, the hands just went up through the sky. So I think we're in good company. I think we can all state we're hypocritical at times. Now, what's a hypocrite? Could somebody tell me what a hypocrite is? Pretender. A pretender. Yep. What else? Yeah, you, do, you say one thing, you do another. Um, you could tease that out a little bit more and you could say, well, a hypocrite is a person who's this way with this group of people. And then when they get over with this group of people, they're this way. So they're very different. So I don't want to be part of a community full of hypocrites. Well, good luck finding that because it doesn't exist. But as we tease that out, one of the questions may be like, well, what's wrong with being a hypocrite? What's wrong with it? People should be one. Exactly. People really should be one. We should be so integrated that we're the same everywhere we go, that there's no pretending there's no uh, sense of phoniness inside of us. This is me. This, this is me. This is who you get when you're in relationship with me. All the fumbles and all the bumps and the bruises and the mishaps. And yeah, sometimes I'm a hypocrite, but I'm practicing in the way of Jesus and I'm doing my absolute best to become the kind of person that moves back towards oneness. Because I think if we're honest, there's a little lack of oneness in all of us. There's a sense, there's like, that's why I think we need to realign and reorient ourselves around the life of Jesus. Because really, who wants to live a scattered life? No, nobody really wants to live. Yeah, I want to live a scattered life. And I, I want to be this way over here and this way over here. I don't think deep down anybody wants to live that kind of life. So my, my encouragement for those who are in the search is like, yeah, go deeper in the search. Ask the hard questions. Move in closer to it. Because I, I, you think about it, I know another person who actually had a hard time with hypocrites and his name was Jesus. He had a lot to say about hypocrites. So instead of pushing people into the kingdom, maybe a better approach would be help people identify. Listen, help them identify as they search for Christ, as they search for meaning, as they search for truth. Because Jesus had a lot to say about people who were hypocritical, especially religious people. And he, and he had very strong words for people that were in these kinds 
of practices. So what we're doing as Jesus followers is we are doing our absolute best to live in sync with how things really are. Does that make sense? Like we, we, want, we want to live in a way because God is the ultimate disclosure of what is real and we want to live closer to what is real. We don't want to be split or fragmented. We don't want to be disjointed people. So that's why we gather to remember. That's why we realign ourselves in the ways of Jesus and reorient ourselves around the practices and teachings of Jesus so that we can step deeper and deeper into what is most real and be these genuine, integrated people living in oneness because God is one. That's the kinds of people that I hope we become. Now let's talk about us for a moment, the church. My desire for us as a church is to live closer and closer to how things really are. I have a dream of a church full of people who are doing everything they can to reorient themselves around the practices of Jesus, where we become so generous, so loving, so committed to unconditional love that people would be drawn into the family and like Stephen said weeks ago, that they would understand that they belong here first and foremost. Because we're honest about our own mishaps and we're not the kinds of people that keep things in the dark. We talk about our struggles, we talk about our failures, we talk about our mishaps, we talk about our flip-ups because we understand that things aren't supposed to be this way and the only way for us to bring towards healing is to talk about these things with one another because we want to realign ourselves around Jesus and his teachings. So let's review. God is one. Think about it. God is one. Hero Israel, the Lord, the Lord our God is one. What if that was our prayer? God is one. God, we wanna be one. We wanna be the kinds of people that really step into oneness. And this is why we're able to talk about our struggles. This is why we're able to admit our utter dependence on you because we wanna be one. We don't wanna be two, we don't wanna be three, we don't wanna be split, fragmented people. We want to be the kinds of people who are one. If you think about the prayer of Jesus in John 17, Jesus is praying before his crucifixion. So it's pretty important for us to listen. And what was the essence of Jesus' prayer? Father, I want them to be one as we are one. So you and I, Father, we have this amazing connection. What I see you do, I do, and what I hear you say, I say. I only do what you tell me to do. I only say what you tell me to say. I wanna be such a reflection of you in the world. And Jesus says, I want want that for my people. I want my people to be that connected to the Father and to my heart so that they know this is what I'm calling you to be in the world. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one as we are one is what he says in the prayer. What an incredible desire of heart and soul. This is what I want for my people. So at Bible study, when you have a group of men who are studying about being a follower of Jesus and not just an observer or a fan of Jesus, or we kind of like Jesus, we like Jesus, we like the idea of Jesus, but really a follower where we're laying down our lives for the sake of another. And you have a man who's struggling and shares the struggle and here's, here's where I need help and here's where I need practice, that when a group of men rally around that one man and say, we're with you in this and we're gonna support you and we're gonna help you, isn't there something inside of all of us that goes, yeah, that's how things are supposed to be. Yes. That's, that's, 
That's, yeah, that's, that's it. And we know it when we see it. We're like, yep, that's, that's how we should be, to be that kind of people. And why does this resonate with us so deeply when we see it happening in the world? Whether you're religious or irreligious or a follower of Jesus or searching for Christ right now, why is it, does it resonate so deeply? With, because I think we all understand that this is how things are supposed to be and we're living in such deep reality that deep down inside that we can't always express it, but we know that's it, that's real, that's true, that's right, that's how I wanna be in the world. And I wanna be part of a community that practices that. Because God is one and that's oneness and there's something to that that's true. And then God, God is forgiving. This is a tough one, because if you think about it, every one of us in this room has been wronged, we've been hurt, we've been rejected, we've been stabbed in the back, we've been um, cheated on. I mean, there's all kinds of things that have happened to every one of us. And maybe there's somebody here this morning where you know what it's like to have a business partner who chucks and they leave town with your money. And I know that that has happened to dear friends of mine where they invest everything, and then someone takes advantage of them, a close friend, and they leave every, and they take everything, and they're left with nothing. It's like, what do you do with that? How do you, like, how do you forgive that? Like, when somebody really hurts you, if you've been hurt, like, how do you really forgive that? Maybe a question to ask ourselves is, well, what does it mean to forgive? I mean, how, how do I go about forgiving? So, if Karen, my good friend, Karen Hoyt, um, if she offends me or she hurts me, which you haven't yet, but maybe you will, if you haven't yet. I tromped, I tromped through Thailand and Burma with you, and we're still good. But if you hurt me, so you take this and you, you offend me, you hurt me, you cause damage to my heart and my soul. Now I have this, now I have this wound inflicted. And... I could carry this around and say, well, you know what? Karen is indebted to me now. Karen owes me something. And I could make you pay. I could be like, I'm going to make sure every time Karen walks into the room, I just kind of look at her like, you know what's going on, don't you? <laughs> and I could hold on to that. Or I could do the thing that Jesus invites me to do and send that away. So the beauty of forgiveness and the difficulty of, of forgiveness is that I, I have this wound now this offense. And when I think about the way of Jesus, it's like, well, I'd kind of like to hold on to this and foster this for a little while and pet it because it feels good, right? Or I could send it away and not, not make you pay anymore. Now, if I send it away, I'm not giving it back to you, but I'm just not going to keep it anymore. So there's, there's a sense of lightness in me. However, what happens very often, and I, I see this in Christianity quite a bit, is we, we're encouraged to send it away, and yet we're left with this wound. And this is why I think therapy is really good. Because now what do I do with the wound? Because the hurt's still there, and I wanna deal with it. I've, I, there's something inside of me that brought up inside of me, and so I, for one, have been in therapy and have gone and have done the hard work of forgiveness because I have been offended by people and I have been hurt by people very deeply. And I have had to walk that path of forgiveness and I have had to make a conscious choice to send it away because I don't know about you, but I am an incredible list keeper when people wrong me. And when people wrong me, it's like a checklist, especially the ones that you live with. So let's see, what did you do Thursday? Yeah, that was crappy. 
Thursday. And we create this list, and then we hold the list. And for many of us, what we do is we pull the list out every once in a while, especially when you, you can use it against them. We like to pull out the list and say, you know, I've been kind of reflecting on last Thursday again. And we go through the list, and what forgiveness, what we're invited to do is to no longer keep the list. But if I get rid of the list, that means I may have to deal with my own pain, and I'd rather just not. I'd rather just it be about you, Karen, and not about me. So I don't want to deal with me. I'd rather just deal with you and put it all on you. But we live in these fragmented, disjointed ways where we're invited to step deeper into forgiveness. We're invited to send it away. We're invited by Christ. Even we see Christ on the cross saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I mean, that's radical forgiveness. It's like, oh. You think about the the teachings of Jesus being hard, being difficult, but then we have to ask the question, do I want to be fully in sync with how things really are? Do I want to hold on to these things? Do I want to do the hard work of letting these things go? Or do I want to stay here and be this fragmented, disjointed person? Or do I want to be one? I want to be one. I want the church to be one. I want to be generous, and I want the church to be generous, and I want to be a forgiving person to do the hard work of forgiveness. Because forgiveness doesn't mean forgetting. It doesn't mean I forget what Karen has done. It doesn't mean that I have to be in a good standing relationship with you. It may be better that we're not in a relationship. I'm not saying that. Don't read into that. But it may. It may mean we can't have a relationship right now because I have some things that I have to work on so I'm creating boundaries around myself. But let me ask us another question. If we think about what does it mean to be part of a church? I'm gonna ask the, the worship team to come up and get ready. That means... That means you, Daniel, in the back room. What does it mean to be part of a church? What are we inviting people into? We're inviting people to join us, but for what? What are we inviting people to join us in? Now, as a musician, I think God, when God created the heavens and the earth and the world and things began to unfold, that God started playing a beautiful song. And that song was full of God, full of light and love and generosity and goodness and forgiveness. And he started spinning this song out into the, into the world. And what happens many times is people start to hear this song. And they're like, I'm, I'm beginning to hear the song. They might wake up one morning. They might be at Whole Foods. They might be in the privacy of their home. They might be in their car. They might be on BART. And they start to hear the song. And what life does is life comes and tries to stamp out the song quiet the song, but that one note stays and that song continues to spin and move out into the world and people hear it. So maybe, maybe what being a Christian is, it's as a group of people who take plugs out of their ears and they start to hear the song. Oh, there it is. The, oh, I'm starting to see now. Jesus calls it being born again or waking up. And he starts, you start to see like, oh, God, God is one. And we see that in Jesus. God is light and he's truth. And he is forgiving. And, and wait, I get to forgive people? I, I get to let these things go and I don't have to live with this anymore? Absolutely. I get to be generous with my money? I get to like give it away to other people so that others can be healed and so that human suffering can come to an end? I get to participate in that? Absolutely. I get to say yes to Jesus and be about the way of Jesus in the world and love people unconditionally, especially the foreigner and the one on the outside and the marginalized. I get to love those people. Yep, you get to love those people. 
And you get to know Jesus. You get to be connected to the Father. You get to have absolute connection in a deep sense that you are okay just the way you are. And that God loves you unconditionally. From your depths, he loves you. He's made you in his very image. And so maybe if you're beginning to hear the song this morning, it's the first time and you're hearing the song, my encouragement to you would be don't stop listening. Don't stop the search. Dig in deeper. Don't let the fact that you're in a room full of hypocrites stop you from pursuing the one true God. That we're doing the best we can. We're trying our best to practice the way of Jesus. We get to learn how to love one another. That's the joy of being a Jesus follower as we get to practice. So let's set with that this morning. Daniel is gonna sing a song and I invite you, if you know it, you can sing along or just listen. Listen to the song. <laughs>